Fans, welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something during its year-long quest to watch every match that Dave Meltzer's rated five stars or higher in his Wrestling Observer newsletter. I have the relevant newsletters open for this one because there's some stuff I need to read out to give you an idea of what happened both during and after this one. But it's a doozy of a match we're covering. Myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host... Simon Cross. Simon, what are we covering today? We're covering... Um... A match that took place 9th of April 2017 between one Kazuchika Okada, who's uh, put down his headset and uh, got into the ring again. Sorry, uh, just because he was on commentary last match. Uh, taking on Katsuyori Shibata. Shibata. Ah, oh, closer. Getting closer. Well, it's your last chance to do it. <laughs> but we'll, Yeah, we'll get into that. So to give a bit of background, there's a music, there's a music video, there's a video package, but also Kevin Kelly and the debuting for us Don Callis on commentary provides some extra background into this match. So Shibata earned this shot after winning the New Japan Cup tournament for the year, beating Bad Luck Fale in the final. Um, he, the video points out that Katsuyori Shibata made his debut for New Japan in 1999 and then left the promotion under controversial circumstances in 2004 at the time that he was being groomed to be one of the new three musketeers of the fourth generation along with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura. He left to have a not particularly impressive MMA career and be a freelance worker here and there in other promotions such as Noah and I believe Zero One. He then returned in 2012 along with uh, Sakuraba, the pro wrestling MMA legend of that time period. Uh, while Sakuraba was there for sort of a short but short period, Shibata was there full-time back in his home promotion after seven years away. And he really had to start almost from the bottom to make his way back up, wrestling with the third-generation stars, uh, feuding and then reconciling with his uh, good friend from that time in the early days of Hiroki Goto, and challenging for the never-openweight title and maybe the Intercontinental title, but finally, 13 years after his only other title shot when he was still a hot young prospect with those new musketeers, Shibata gets his second ever shot at the IWGP title against, it's fair to say, a relatively dismissive, almost amused Kazuchika Okada going into this match. Yes. Uh, yeah, the facial expressions in the video package is just like, what am I doing here, really, against this guy? Um, and it's it's weird because, and they play up to this, the English commentators, um, just look at the presentation of the two men yeah. um, as they walk to the ring. Shibata, the wrestler black, against the rainmaker. Yeah, the black trunks, just the rest, literally the wrestler. That's his nickname. Versus the flash arrogance of, um, assured arrogance, admittedly, of uh, Akada. Well, he backs it up, that's the whole it's, thing about It's just really... Hey, awesome... I know, but that's what I mean with the assured arrogance. He knows it's there, like There's... the actual ability is there. There's an awesome, essentially split screen, but it's not split screen moment when Okada makes his entrance, where he's on the right hand side of the shot, 
posing in the corner with all the Rainmaker money coming down him with his glittery golden jacket and his bright trunks and everything and his purple hair. And his Guido. And his, yeah, his Guido alongside his, his, his little, whatever that name of that thing was. Solomon Crumb? Is that its name? The thing that hangs out with Jabba the Hutt? Oh, <laughs> I will bow to your knowledge on that one. <laughs> It's very limited knowledge for me as well. And in the left hand of the screen is just a man with black hair, black trunks, just standing there in a zen-like state almost. Preparing oh, it is weird. Now, I, I, sorry, go on. I do like the, uh, zen's a great word for it. I have it like machine-like. Yeah. He's just, it's like someone has just turned on. A, a, a wrestling machine and this is walk to the ring this is um, do you remember when I said that the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels Hell in a Cell match is maybe the most one sided shit kicking to ever get five stars yes this gives it a run for its money <laughs> oh yeah because Okada enters deep water here yeah the commentators basically describe it as, res- as Shibata wrestles the perfect match Essentially, in this match, every face off that they have, Shibata comes out on top. Basically, every strike exchange he wins. When they're at the mat at the start of the match, uh, Shibata's controlling him, and he's not even putting him in holds. He just has the leverage throughout it. Like he just gets full mount on him at one point, and he just you can't do anything. That's you're the under bit under my control. <laughs> oh, when he does the chest pat, yes. and then they both stand up. And he sits down in the middle of the ring going, your turn. Yeah, he does that lying in the in the ring, like inviting yeah. him to wrestle him on the ground. And it's a weird thing because it's like, it, it looks like he's saying, look, I'm letting you have a go. But it's already made clear on the mat, Shibata is the superior. So even though yeah. it looks like he's in the vulnerable position, it really is Okada. Because if you engage with Shibata on the mats, he will dominate you. Yeah, but then again, if you try and strike with him, he'll he'll, he'll hold his own you. there. So Okada's is like sort of like well, surviving in this match. He's not he's not doing his usual thing of getting his stuff in. He's clinging on. He's he's staying in the mix basically. It's not just that. Basically, this is this is also covering one of my favorite stories for a champion. A champion having to go into foreign terrain or someone having to go out of their comfort zone. And I've always said that the person who did this the best was maybe Mick Foley on the other end of working <clears throat> with guys like Shawn Michaels at Mind Games, uh, Triple H in the uh, Royal Rumble and Hell in the Cell matches with Triple, a- uh, yeah, with Triple H in 2000. Then uh, with Edge at WrestleMania in a hardcore match and then with Randy Orton a couple of years later at Backlash. Yeah, Orton's was first, but yeah. Yes, it was, yes. Orton, because, yeah, because Mick Foley, that was WrestleMania 20 and then Andrew yeah. a few years later. Yeah. But you get what I mean. That I do. Someone having to be taken out of their elements. And that, and like that, it's like, the, the 2001 is the one that I think maybe best describes it, the Royal Rumble match, because it's the, well, we'll go into the finish result, essentially. Um, it's not that Triple H wins. It's not that Okada wins. It's that he survives. Because what yes. McFoley essentially is looking to do, more than just beating him, is he wants to dismantle. And this is the same with Shibata. Mm. He wants to dismantle 
Okada piece by piece and pick the right moment when it's all... He's, like, taking everything from Okada. It's not just he's got him down for the map for, for a three count. Because there are points in this match where he's dragging Okada back up to his feet. It's like, I want yeah. to destroy you. <laughs> and the, he the, does, the moment, basically. The moment where he just asserts his dominance, I think the best in this match, is the bit where he's... They've ju- he's just had a series of corner elbows that he's absorbed from Okada. And uh, Okada breaks, to, like, assumedly, obviously, just to like make sure he doesn't get disqualified or whatever. Uh, and Shibata's just stood there. Just does the come-on gesture. It gets about at least ten, like, forearms from Okada. Mm. Hits one... And Okada was just sent sprawling to the mat yeah. like a sack of potatoes. Uh, also, I want to make a call. Um, uh, some lovely Johnny Saint uh, escaping of uh, wrestling holds in the uh, like. There's some brilliant British world of sport wrestling homages at uh, various yeah. points. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, given that Shibata does have an MMA background, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's worked with the likes of Billy Robinson, uh, like the ultimate catch wrestling teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, he does like that thing where he, he pulls his foot up and breaks the hammerlock with his own foot by bringing the weight down. Yeah, I, it's it's just like um, it's just a wonderful way of highlighting his superiority, his like cleverness, but his comfortability as well. But Okada can engage. It's not like yeah. Okada's flailing about in the water. It's just he's against the one guy. It's like a decathlete in a one hundred meters race. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a great way of summing it up, actually. I know. I'm good at these things. <laughs> All right. But like you say, like, Okada's just... It's like, like I said, like, Shibata wants to break him down mentally, physically, spiritually. <laughs> you know, in all sorts of ways. And he wants... And he gets yeah. to his head. And, uh, like, very early... Like, when Okada looks like he's going to do... He gets him in the corner. And that's always when Okada does the cocky slapping of the chest. And, yeah, you know, which Shibata's already done to him earlier on. And instead of that, he just leathers him with some elbows to get an open. The booze that yeah, he gets this is at that an point. Incredibly pro, because like these fans have been know that Shibata has been waiting so long. Like this guy should have been a multiple-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion at this point, but he's only getting his second ever shots. Yeah, his first in thirteen years against a guy from the previous generation who's already beaten the ace of Shibata's generation in Tanahashi. You know. Yeah, exactly. This guy's like effectively jumped the queue mm. uh, in in like the crowd's eyes in relation to um, Shibata. One of the things I love um, is a bit where Okada's got ah the abdominal stretch. He gets the rope break. I think it's the abdominal stretch. It's one of the moves. Yeah, uh, submission moves. He gets the rope break, and Shibata just boots the arm. And oh my god, it just looks like he nearly took the thing off. Oh yeah. Uh, there's also a great bit early on where Shibata gets Okada in the uh, in a submission hold. Okada reaches the ropes. Shibata breaks. And this is something the commentators say, so I imagine they were given notes ahead of time to make this point. And then when Okada finally gets a submission hold in the match later on, he doesn't break the hold immediately. And this is a match where Okada really reminds me of Ric Flair, in that he gets completely dominated in the first few mo- in the first like five ten minutes. To the point that he's getting embarrassed. They even do the old Ric Flair Barry Windham spot where Kazuchika Okada goes for the drop down and Okada just uh, and, and Shibata just stops and puts him in a headlock. 
Oh, yeah, that is brilliant. And just like Flair would do, Okada loses his temper, takes him outside, and starts beating him up on the outside, like, using underhanded tactics and, and nasty moves. He does the draping DDT on the guardrail. But like you say, and then he brings Okada, and then he brings Shibata back into the ring, and like you say, he goes for the elbows, and that's at the moment that Shibata's like, no, 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 that's not how this is going to go. <laughs> if you're going to hit me, hit me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah. Uh... And it's not, like, now, it's not like a big bruising brawler who can just beat the crap out of you can't overwhelm Okada, as we've seen already, when Ishii, yeah. who beat Shibata, beat Okada in the G1 Climax. That is true. Um, he, that's, oh, God. And he... And he just sort of, like, just powered his way through, sort of, Ishii, towards the end. Um, just managing to just about get that brain buster mm. uh, for the pin. Um, he, um... I really like this. Like, there's a couple of really rapid sequences in this as well, where um, Akada hits like a sit, some seated drop kicks. Shibata counters with a German. Akada then immediately counters with a boot. Shibata hits oh, back with a kick. Yeah, they do some pop up no some pop up no sell yeah. stuff. Yeah. And did you notice that Kevin Kelly references the fact that Okada had a six star match? He yes. says the first six star match, the only six star match. But also, what's interesting, he doesn't even say Dave Meltzer. He essentially says this is definitively. The six star match. Yeah. So that's that weird thing of like Meltzer's like the ultimate voice of authority, which is obviously something that we're either agreeing with or challenging in this series, depending on what you think, you know? Yes. But it's led us to this point. Mm. Either way. But what's great, like you say, is like it, it gradually builds up. Oh, yeah. And so this was a really good thing. Like Okada very briefly regains control and immediately goes for his Rainmaker pose. But it's like, that's a false front because you have not been in control of this match. And we are, if you have not got him at the final stage. And that's like what happens. It's like he's desperate for this to be over. He immediately goes for a Rainmaker, which Shibata straight away counters with the STO. So that's supposed to be the moment the Rainmaker pose when Okada's finally in full control. And it's, it's like he's almost having to c- convince himself about this at this point. Yeah. And Shibata immediately puts paid to that notion. It's like, it's usually it's just like a, a signal of. I know I'm in control. Whereas I think he's trying to, you're, as you say, like, like an actual power pose, he's trying to actually draw confidence from it. Yeah. It's like, and then they go start exchanging elbows on their knees and Okada stands up cause he's just annoyed. And Shibata's like, come on, keep going. Keep giving me what you've got. Um, and so then he starts hitting uppercuts to try and after, cause Okada, you know, Shibata wins the, uh, elbow exchange and Okada just but it's like Okada staggers and goes to his knees and it's like you also see the resilience of Okada because it is taking a lot for him to go to his knees he's trying to fight but he's fighting a losing battle yes he's engaging Shibata at Shibata's game whereas he should be doing his own thing yes but he can't get out of like Shibata's game because Shibata's wrestling him perfectly exactly he can't establish a an attack plan Mm. really he's he's Again, defending a lot. <laughs> now, there is a bit of a sour note with this match. Well, we've got, uh, I've, I got feel... I've got, I've got loads more still to talk about before we get to that. I've got, ah. I've got a lot to talk about for this match. So, but it's just great. Like every time Okada's got a slight amount of control, he never gets a long period of control ever in this match. Like he hits, like he hits Shibata with those uppercuts. And then he goes for a missile drop kick to the seated Shibata, which is an awesome spot, similar to the one he did to Omega in the Wrestle Kingdom match. But then he yeah. goes for a pin, and Okada, because it's a poor pin, 
Shibata is able to turn it into an armbar immediately. Yeah, he sort of just drapes it, and then it, it's just right there. And, and um, sorry, go on. Well, the commentator says um, one of the commentators does allude to the fact that did Shibata put his shoulder in that position on purpose to get Okada to put his arm there to put him into the armbar? Is he playing 3D chess with him? Mm. And that is alluded to. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, is he luring him in? There's there's limb work in this match, but it's not as pronounced as like a Tanahashi match or, or a Naito match. Like they say, Shibata does go after Okada's arms, and that does get a payoff later on. And Okada does go for um, Okada does go for a um, uh, uh, it, like goes for Shibata's neck early on, but that doesn't really amount to anything either. Well, nothing that Okada does can amount to anything, really. Yeah, and um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, there's a bit where he just starts kicking at Okada's right arm really nastily. Oh, God, and, the sounds. Like, like, Okada had gone into this match basically thinking he was going to dominate Shibata, and it's Shibata that's done it to him. And yeah. it's now Shibata that can cockily taunt Okada, because he just starts sort of lightly stomping him on the head. Just like, I, I've got it down as head raking, although it's not really raking. He's just like flicking it. And then he slaps Okada in the face, and Okada feels disrespected. He's like, well, now you know how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> Gets up and again tries to get into a fight with him. Another strike exchange, and again. Loses. Sabata just sends him down. Yeah. And, uh, and well, he taunts him by doing the Shibata. No, that's it. He then gets up and says, come on, I, I, you've not beaten me. And then he taunts Shibata by doing Shibata's wrestler pose. Yeah. So like I said, they started on their feet with their exchanges, then they went to their knees. Now they're in the seated position. They have a slap off. Shibata wins that again. But then Okada like tries to hit him with some surprise elbows and stomps. And then he does Shibata's corner drop kick to Shibata. Yeah. But then Shibata just... Uh, then he tries to taunt him by putting his foot on him in, in the corner. And Shibata just stands up. Again, it's like you... Just grabs nothing. it. You've yeah. got nothing. <laughs> you will not survive. And then Okada tries to do a, a, an elbow, and so Shibata's like, you're going to do my drop kick. I'm going to do your drop kick. He does it really well, too. Uh, then he looks for um, he looks for his PK kick, which was really his trademark finisher, and Okada's able to hit his drop kick. And he goes yeah. for a, he goes for like a drop kick PK kick at that yeah. point. Um, so it's maybe like, Okay, I won't do your exact move because that might piss you off. But then Shibata <laughs> gets up and Okada tries it again, and, and that's when we get into that pop-up situation you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, German suplexes, rainmakers, attempts, you know. Uh, and Okada, oh yeah, that's the bit where Okada, so here comes the moment. Okada does hit his short rainmaker. After. After. After Shibata's chopped away at that arm with yes. like some and yes. more gnarly arm kicks, more so by the time the he hits the Rainmaker, it's like a Rainmaker at thirty percent, and yes. this is obviously the short arm Rainmaker. So this is like a sub variant of the sub variant of yes. the finisher. And it's Okada that goes down, and Shibata stays up, and it's just like he's utterly dismantled him. He is a wrestling machine. He's, you just can't kill him. He's. He was the one that stayed up after the finisher. Yeah. And that, in a nutshell, is just where Ricardo must be. That is the apex moment where he realises, like, I have massively underestimated this problem. Well, and here's the massive um, apex moment for Shibata. <sighs> We've said that the story of the Shibata character is that he's his own worst enemy. 
Yes. Here we go. So he hits um, he hits Okada with a headbutt, and at the time, I I, I knew that there was a headbutt. Uh, I remembered that about the Shibata story. I couldn't remember the exact match in which it happened. The moment he hit it, and the just the oh the sound, I, I can't think about it too much because it actually does unsettle me. Immediately, um, his head splits open. Yeah, and it's an amazing visual. Like I said, uh, like Oka- Shibata may be better than anyone else at just presenting these. Yeah, like I it's said, weird because it's not these moments because it just it's this one trickle of of blood vertically going down his head onto yeah. his nose and he's and into his eyes there. and you can tell it gets into his eyes quite quickly because he is having trouble with that possibly knowing what we know now there may be some internal trouble there too yeah we'll, we'll, we'll cover that later but that's just such a huge moment and if he pinned him at that moment that would have been a very believable that would have been a, an incredibly believable finish oh god i yeah. just want to say this is some i've got here what Meltzer wrote about this match um, and I just want to say this part like he opens it by saying the match was amongst the best matches held anywhere in the world in the past few years and this is the time when he's giving out six stars but there was one spot more memorable than any Okada who had his arm weakened during the match finally connected with the Rainmaker Shibata not only didn't go down but responded with a sick headbutt immediately Shibata's head was split open it sounded terrible watching it at the time, but the one thing about Japanese wrestling is that as hard-hitting as the matches seem on television, television greatly mutes the actual sound and impression. And given how oh. the kicks and everything sound. Which is why Japanese bouts are generally so much more impactful live and move emotions more. One person who was at ringside watching noted to us that it sounded like a baseball bat hitting hard wood and said the sound literally turned his stomach. Oh, God. The fact that you've said that is possibly one of the most unsettling things you've ever told me. Because oh, that, that's because I, I was unsettled with it, television-wise. Christ knows what it must have sounded I mean, obviously, we've got the example, but just trying to visualise that sound is just horrible. The spot was praised in some circles because it was the single most indelible memory of the match. But it was decried as well because that type of stuff shouldn't happen in the ring. You shouldn't mess with the head. No, no, you should not. So here we go back all the way. Like one of the things about Shibata is that he is like this inheritor of the no nonsense, strong style shoot fighting element of New Japan that Antonio Inoki so beloved. And so at this point, he does the octopus hold, which is one of the trademark holds of Antonio Inoki that would win in many matches. That's the thing again with New Japan: the historical significance of these moves and the people that inherit them. Yes. You know, the dragon screw leg whip that's handed down from Fujinami to, to, to Tanahashi to Tetsuya Naito. You know, the, the at one point in this match, um, it looks like Shibata's going for the Indian Deathlock, which was a trademark move of Kijimuto. You know? Yeah. It's, it's all these references within it, and that, that submission is held on for ages, and it, go, and it gets grounded, and it turns into a variant of that. And I think Okada does fantastic submission work in this, in that he... There is a moment where he contemplates tapping, and I, I've said in the past that I'm not always... You're not a big fan of that. I didn't think, think of you at that point. It wor- no, I think it works because he's just contemplating it while still trying to escape. Yeah. That's the thing. As long as he's trying to escape, instead of just sitting there thinking, am I going to take this pain? He's yeah. actively moving his legs around, and he's trying to move his head, but he has got his hand in a tap position, you know? Mm. 
sort of like a, the brain has done that involuntary reaction to think yeah. about it. So and he's got to catch his instinct. So yeah, he's almost willing. It's like almost like that bit where a tag team partner will hold the hand. It's almost yeah. like he's his own tag team partner at that moment. Yeah. Like, I know you want to tap, but you've got to... <laughs> but no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh... To uh, go... No, I'm, just try- I'm just trying to read my notes here. Uh... To go to... Oh, yeah, yeah, um... that's it. That's it. Um, o- Okada... Because, like I said, he's fighting the hold, and at one point he gets o- uh, Shibata's leg off of his head that's putting pressure on yeah. his neck. And immediately Shibata puts it back on. He immediately reapplies it. So he knows yeah. he can't escape the hold. So then he's just, because he's so tall, basically, he's, his foot's able to reach the rope and break the hold. Yeah. But not even, like, drape over the rope. You know, like, he doesn't grab the rope with his foot or, like, drape his foot over. He, it's just barely, like, just on, it just sat on top of the rope, if you know what I mean. That Even that, the fact that he hasn't even been able to get, like, his ankle over the rope, if you see what I mean, yeah. shows just how desperate he was to get to it. Well, it's almost like the equivalent of Kevin Owens getting the one finger on the rope, you know? Yes. Yes. Exactly um, right. So, yeah, now he's going for the chokehold, which is his setup for the PK. Okada wills himself up and then almost immediately crumbles back to the ground, and then he gets up again, and he's reaching for the rope, so Shibata's like, okay, I'll just suplex you. And, so, <laughs> and does. And does. He turns it into that suplex that we saw, uh, sort of half-sleeper suplex that we saw... Um, or Taz mission suplex almost that we yeah. saw obviously Taz do to Sabu which broke his neck, uh, and that we saw Kobashi do to Samoa Joe in their match at Ring of Honor. Um, then, then he does a rainmaker slap. Yes, <laughs> ripcord slap. But keeps the wrist control. Maintains wrist control, <laughs> but not to but not to um, do anything other than just keep kicking him. <laughs> kicking him, just just keep hitting him. And like I said, this is the point where Okada's down and Shibata's basically playing with him. Yeah, like he's like he. I think what he wants to do is choke him down and then do the PK. That's how he loves to finish his matches. And because Okada didn't go down from the choke, Shibata's like, okay, I'm just gonna play about with you for a little while. So he's just slapping him, slapping him, kicking him, kicking him. And maybe this is the leaving the door slightly too well, open. That's the thing. And then he goes, and then he's gonna go for the PK. And Okada, it's literally like, it's like Indiana Jones getting his hat on from that slip under the wall it's just briefly gets him with a rainmaker holds onto the wrist shibata's trying to boot it off okada hits a short rainmaker brings shibata to his knees and it's like okada sees that one opening that's all he can take that's all he has ripcord rainmaker three counts fires everything into the third one like I said, this was, it was always how I described the finish to the, the street fights at Royal Rumble. And so, replace Triple H and Cactus Jack for Shibata, uh, for Okada and Shibata. Okada didn't beat Shibata. Okada momentarily stopped him. Yes. I don't yeah, think Shibata it... goes for a pin once in this match. I can't think of it, thinking about it. He goes for the submissions, obviously. He goes for a, a submission, times. yeah, but that's like using the Inoki hold, you know. Yeah. So it's like I'm. Well, he has the armbar as well. And yeah, yeah, but that's that was just more just a. A wear down. Pin me but... like that, okay? Well, I'll just turn that into an armbar, yeah. you know. This was an experience. This was an amazing match, and I am giving it five stars. 
I'm I'm also giving it five stars. Again, um, it tells such a unique story. Okada, yeah. and again, it's that thing of Okada. Like this is the legendary two-year title reign we've got with Okada right now. So at this point, he beat Naomichi Marafuji, who was like the Noah representative who'd surprised Okada in the G1 Climax, and had also kind of just owned Okada in that match in a way that surprised yeah. him. Because again, that's the whole thing about o- Okada. His arrogance is his undoing. Yeah, and um, this is like. He has to turn up on like, like they say he's like the best big match wrestler of like the last decade. Yeah. So he beat Marafuji in a in October of that of the last year. Then he beats Omega at the um, Wrestle Kingdom. Re- Wrestle Kingdom six star match. I'm just looking to see if this was the one he had. Uh, then he beat Minoru Suzuki. And so, like you say, it's, there's these different types of challenges for him, and so. Like I said, he, he's, he's able to survive and do what needs to be yeah. done to win. Like I said, like Ric Flair, he finds a way through, you know? He's got like, that nous, that yeah, tactical nous. Well, not he, tactical nous in this. He needs that championship. It's like they both got what they wanted. Shibata yeah. owned his ass. But and, Omega and, got... To, um, not Omega, Okada got to keep the title. Okada kept the belt, you know? Everybody's happy. Except for Shibata, who immediately after this has to go to hospital. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, okay. Now, I am giving this five stars. I- I'm not retracting that or anything, but I do feel slightly uneasy giving a match where a man basically ended his own career. He didn't five mean stars. to. But... Uh, well, not... And it's ultimately very poetic, and it gives this match like a, a significance beyond it even more so. Like, this is this is almost Shabata's... This is Shabata's requiem. This is Shabata's masterpiece. Yeah. This is what the 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 eighteen year career of Shibata was leading up to. Yeah, him utterly showing his entire wrestling like craft and how he is as a great wrestler by you know basically owning in in kayfabe terms the best wrestler in the world at that mm. moment. But and perhaps ultimately, by becoming ultimately too ending like... his career at his own hands. Yeah, but and ultimately in terms of the match itself, becoming too like his opponent and becoming arrogant and starting to play with his opponent. Well, I think it's not so much arrogance with uh, Shibata as it's like a perfectionism. He wants to win in a certain way. Mm. Just not any means necessary, which is Okada's way of winning. The problem with Shibata is he always tries to pass it into the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. Ludicrous display last night. (laughs) Like, there's a right way to win a match and Shibata was so close to it. Yeah. Um, But anyway... And if it was anyone other than Okada, he would have won it, you know? But he just yes. happens to be in the rings with the, the guy who just wins matches better than anyone else, you know? Big match, Okada. Big match, Kazu. So let's just go back to what Meltzer wrote. Um, Career shouldn't be sacrificed for one-night pops, was what he was saying about. This This isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, especially when it comes to the protection of the long-term self Because that's the other thing. Okada could have had a career-ending injury from that headbutt too. Yeah. I, I'm amazed that, he, that like, he got away with that. I don't know if he did get away with that unscathed. Obviously, I haven't got access to... Well, he didn't like lean into it like Ishii did. I think if you look at it, I think maybe the way that they worked it was that Shibata was working like the for- forehead, but it was yeah. like on the top of the dome of, of Okada. Maybe that's a thicker area, and it didn't like they, they worked it out that that was the best place mm-hmm. for him to do it. I don't know. But it didn't need to be there. But anyway, no. when the match was over, 
uh, Shibata and Okada both collapsed. The idea is that both men gave everything. They had a war that lasted 38 minutes, 9 seconds. Had it not been for Okada's match with Kenny Omega, this would have been a strong favourite for match of the year. The idea is it gave is that both gave everything he had. Okada won, but it was a battle of attrition, and by the time it was over, neither had anything left. I think yeah. there's a sense that Shibata may have had more left. It was just like in that brief moment. As Shibata was making his way, as Shibata was being helped out of the ring to the back, he lost his balance and fell to his knees more than once. And I think it was meant to be that Shibata walks away, you know? Yeah. Backstage, Shibata collapsed again motionless. Well, almost motionless. It was reported he couldn't move. That actually was not the case. The doctors were checking on him and said there was internal bleeding and he was rushed to the IUHW Mita Hospital. It was said that Shibata was fully conscious and coherent at the hospital, but he was diagnosed with a subdural hematoma and was said to have undergone emergency surgery. Dr. Shunji Asamoto, who performed the surgery, stated, There is no medical evidence, but it is, sad, but it is said it can easily recur. If he still wants to be a professional wrestler in the future, strict examinations will be necessary. I am not optimistic at all. That is so, brutally Japanese. Okay. So, in terms of, like, just the facts. Well, the doctor's doing his job, I guess. So yeah. this is from the next week's um, one. In a cruel irony of fate, it now appears likely that the match designed to bring Katsuyori Shibata into a top-tier position with New Japan Pro Wrestling may be the last match he'll ever wrestle. Because Dave had uh, had put forward that some people were arguing that this was a work at first, and that it was a means of giving Shibata time off due to injuries, and then he would come back an even bigger star. And they referenced the Mitsuhara Masawa-Doug Furness situation, which I told you about, where they yeah. said that he'd given a broken neck. And then Masao revealed to Furnace afterwards that no, he was fine, but they needed a way for someone else to win the champion carnival. Yeah. Shibata, 37, who remains hospitalized after his IWGP title match with the Kazuchika Okada, is said by friends of his to be unlikely to ever be cleared to wrestle again after surgery due to a subdural hematoma from a six skull on skull headbutt spot as accounts to being hit with the Rainmaker. The combination of the length of the match, dehydration, and the trauma from the headbutt led to doctors advising New Japan that they would likely never be able to clear him to wrestle in good conscience. New Japan has not announced this publicly, nor has anything been said publicly about Shibata's situation after some brief statements in the day after the match. Shibata collapsed backstage and was rushed to the hospital in a situation where nobody knew what was and wasn't real because Japan does have a history in keeping the lid on its most protected angles and making them seem legitimate. Um. Yeah, one of the reasons why the company and doctors are so cautious in this situation has to do with oh yeah, oh, I won't bother reading about this part. Um. Yeah, just someone else uh, had a terrible like a young wrestler. I think. Um, duh, duh, duh. There's previous, basically in New Japan. Yeah, someone died. Yeah, a young wrestler called uh, Masakazu Fukuda died essentially from a similar situation. Uh, ironically, uh, during a match with Shibata in 2000, a Young Lions Cup match. Ooh. Um, it, yeah, so on October, yeah. So Masakazu Fukuda was uh, a promising guy. He'd started up with rings uh, and started working independent shows. Brought in by New Japan as an outsider for the 98 Best of the Super Juniors. Uh, impressed officials and was signed to a full-time, full-time contract. In a match with Shinya Makabe in October 99, around the same time Tanahashi was debuting, Fukuda suffered a cerebral he- hemorrhage, 
which required brain surgery. He got extensive testing, but was given a clean bill of health and returned to action in February of 2000. On April 14, 2000, he wrestled Shibata in the Young Lions Cup. Fukuda was scheduled to win the match and do well in the tournament and be moved into the heavyweight division and be put into a shooter's group with Yuji Nagata, Manabu Nakanishi and Yutaka Yoshi. Shibata delivered a routine elbow drop barely six minutes into the match and Fukuda was supposed to kick out. Instead, he began snoring in the ring and was rushed to the hospital where he underwent emergency brain surgery and passed away five days later at the age of 27. Jesus. Like... Shibata, man, wrestling's in his blood as well. He's heartbroken about this. And now he t- trains at the LA Dojo and he obviously wants to wrestle again. You just need to see what he did in the angle he did with Kenta recently yeah. in the G1 Climax Finals. He's the son of a New Japan wrestler, Katsuhisa Shibata. Um... And was best friends with Hiroki Goto as kids, and the two went to the New Japan camp together. Well, and, you know, to be a professional wrestler at the highest level, you have to have a phenomenal amount of drive and belief in chasing your dream. Look at Daniel Bryan. He 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 went to so many doctors to get to get the the clearance from Vince to get back into the ring. Yeah. Like I I don't doubt that Shabbat is doing the same. Yeah. So let me just read a bit more about Shibata here. So, he was groomed for stardom in New Japan. The company, in a declining phase, chose Shibata, Nakamura, and Tanahashi to build around. But Shibata quit the company in 2005 when one of the New Japan promoters left and started a new promotion where Shibata was to be the top star. During the period he was in New Japan, they were putting some of their wrestlers with strong, legitimate backgrounds in shoots. Shibata did one professional kickboxing match, which he lost via second-round stoppage, and one MMA fight in Brazil, which he won in 52 seconds. He left pro wrestling and spent five years doing MMA. Shibata, who fought as a middleweight, was a huge name in the MMA world, but not a great fighter. Because of his fame, he had matches with some of the top middleweights who fought in Japan during the, that period, with losses to the likes of Raylick Gracie, Kazushi Sakuraba, Jason Mayhem Miller, Yoshihiro Akiyama, Hayato Sakuri, and the much larger judo gold medalist Satoshi Ishii. He was knocked out five times as an MMA fighter and compiled a career record of 4-11-1. Is that Ishii a relative? I don't think so. He returned to New Japan with Sakuraba in 2012 and was a heat machine. He played the role of an outsider doing a shooter gimmick, no-selling traditional wrestling spots, and working matches to look legitimate with hard strikes and working a match to make it appear there was no cooperation. Uh, Ona Taka... Takaki uh, Kidani, a big MMA fan, particularly of Sakuraba, brought them in at a time when most of the roster didn't want them around, remembering how previous overuse of MMA fighters had greatly hurt the popularity of the promotion. But Sakuraba and Shibata were a big success as outsiders. In time, Sakuraba's injuries and age caught up with him, but Shibata only became a bigger star, having strong matches in particular with Ishii and his big feud with Goto. He and Goto later became a tag team and won the IWGP heavyweight tag titles from Anderson and Gallows on January 4th, 2015. They fulfilled the teenage dream that he and Goto had of winning the titles together at the Tokyo Dome. Oh. He also held the Never Championship three times. While he got wins over most of the top stars, he was always booked at the level just underneath the top guys. The Sumo Hall show was his first chance to carry a major show in a championship match on his own, and many thought he would win the title. Evidently, the idea is to keep the title on Okada and build up Omega as the big challenge, but Shibata was scheduled to be in the top mix going forward. There are ways to safely do headbutts in pro wrestling, but the legitimate skull-on-skull type that Shibata did with Okada and also did with Katsuhiku Nakajima last year in a feud that never got out of the blocks should be banned by all pro wrestling companies. I'm inclined to agree um, with that last point. It's uh, The match didn't need that spot. 
it we are, we probably would have given it five stars without that spot. Oh, definitely. I, I like. I, so we're like you know we're both on the same page there. So it's not. It wasn't worth it. But let's not dwell on that. Let's just dwell on what this match was, which was a, a unique story that we don't see that much. Like I said, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels is probably the only other match that's this lopsided. Mm. I can't think of any immediately off the top of my head that can come close to it. Suzuki dominated very long portions of the Tanahashi match, I think. Or maybe yes. not. Maybe not. Maybe not. I might be misremembering. Um, no. No, I think you are. Yeah. Yeah. You agree with me and then you agree with me. No, I'm just trying. I am trying to remember. There, are, there, there, is, a, there is at least it, it, one more match that had that sort of, you know, a, a similar like extended period. But this, like, this tells a a sort of story that, and also Okada has to show great humility to look like this as well. You know, yes. well, you, if you beat everyone handily, then who have you got left to beat? Exactly. That's no, just poor, mm. like management. And you know what? If 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 this if he'd have carried on, this would have been this would have been a breakout moment for him, hands down. I was thinking, what could have been an aw- another awesome match would be who if Shibata then won the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Imagine if then he had to defend it against Hiroki Goto, his best friend, who was the nearly man of New Japan, and he has to deny his best yeah. friend. You know that would have been an amazing match. That would have been amazing. Um, but Shibata is now training in the LA Dojo. He's you know. His his best friend is in the promotion, although maybe they're not friends anymore. That piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, took part in maybe one of the best angles in recent years when you've got Kenta doing the Shibata seated, seated pose on the chest of Shibata. Yeah, uh, it's they've they've built something in case he does get cleared as well. They've got something ready to go too. Um, look. The the other example I've got in my head is Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan did come back. That was an entirely different thing, though. That was concussion, not a brain bleed. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Like, modern medicine keeps advancing. We know more about the brain than we ever did, but we continue, we still a lot we don't know. Yeah. I Hopefully. hope the healthy decision is made. Yeah. And if you look at the way that they worked it, it's funny, actually. This will be my last story about Shibata, I think. Maybe the best example of him. When they do that map, when they do that angle, and Shibata beats the shit out of Kenta in the corner, and he does the corner drop kick and everything, and then the Bullet Club take back over, and they make a very clear point to not hit Shibata in the head. Yeah. And so Kenta goes to do the PK kick on Shibata to end it, and then does the pose on him. But there's that split second moment's hesitation before he does the kick, and you know that it's Kenta trying to triangulate it in the way of like, okay, how do I do this without even coming without close? Without booting him in the head. Yeah. And it seems like he achieved that. He seems like he succeeded in doing that. Mm. So then when you see the backstage segments afterwards and Shibata comes out, goes to the back. And I also love that Shibata doesn't do that when someone does the heel turn and their friend is there. Like, they're not... It's not like Dean Ambrose frozen in the spot when Seth Rollins is yeah. in the chair. As good as that heel turn was... It's just immediately Shibata runs out and kicks the shit out of him. He doesn't look for an explanation. <laughs> he doesn't look for a reason. He's like, I knew you'd... I, part of me knew you'd do this, you tosser. <laughs> but anyway. I always suspected. My mother was right about you. So Kenta hesitated. Essentially, in reality, was just making sure I don't hurt my best friend in the head. Yeah. 
So when Shibata does the backstage interview afterwards, he just says, oh yeah, and when you do that kick, you don't hesitate before you do it, you idiots. <laughs> Lean into it, love it. Uh, it's it's sort of like how um, when people talk about when they've had boxers involved, um, like Mike Tyson's a great example. Chris Jericho tells a great story of like, he, he brushed... He planted that, he threw that punch with such force, but knew it would only just brush my nose. <laughs> and like how Sean uh, was talking about how like Mike looked after him because, well, boxers just do it so many times. They've got that, they don't need to hesitate. They know exactly where their fist is going to go. Well, uh, there's not much more to say. We've said a lot. Uh, if you want to get in touch with you, Simon, and maybe give you some reading material on, on how the brain works, how can they do that? Uh, people get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of um, scotches I'll probably have to down to get the sound of that headbutt out of my head tonight. <laughs> my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for the A in Katsuyori Shibata. All of those A's in there. And N for New Japan. That's my Twitter account, Instagram, Facebook, Let's Box, at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Email the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. That's lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle and our Facebook page is there if you just look up Let Me Tell You Something. Simon, what do we have for our next match? Uh, We have uh, a man who's just recently gained some traction and um, possibly a larger audience in Kushida taking on a returning name on the list but for the first time in singles competition, Will Ospreay. It's during the best of the Super Juniors. It's the junior heavyweight's time to shine. And let's see if Simon finally changes his mind about some junior heavyweight wrestling. But there's nothing left to say. Simon said something to me in mouthing uh, form. In mouthing terms. Other than, my name's Lorcan Mullen. Guttermouth over there is... Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Something happened on the day he died The spirit rose and meet up and stepped aside Somebody else took his place and bravely cried I'm a black star, I'm a black star How many times does an angel fall? How many people lie instead of talking tall? Sacred ground, he cried loud into the crowd. Oh.